cool. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just praise you and I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to prepare our hearts to receive your word, including myself. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would speak through me. And Lord, um, we need you, whether we know it or not. And Lord, I pray that you would meet us each where we are, because you know where we are, Lord, in our lives, on the inside. And Lord, those of us that maybe someone in the room that doesn't know you or a few people that don't know you, Lord, that you would meet them where they are and you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, we thank you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are picking up um, in verse 30, uh, 26. So I read it last week, verse 26, but um, we'll read it again. We'll start it in 25, just so that we get a little context. It says, So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, at Shechem. And like I've explained to you before, uh, Shechem was uh, very significant because this is where the Lord made the original promise to Abraham at Shechem. And lots of things happened at Shechem. Uh, but now the promise has come true at Shechem. Imagine that. Imagine the Lord speaking to you in a certain place, in a certain physical place, and then you standing there again and remembering before the promise and then realizing that he has answered and has been faithful to his promise, standing in that physical place. And you think, wow, you are mighty. You know, so uh, that's, that's pretty much what's happening. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day at Shechem committing them to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instruction as a reminder of their agreement. He took a huge stone and rolled it beneath the terebinth tree beside the tabernacle of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, this stone has heard everything the Lord said to us. It will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. Now, guys, do you think this stone one day would see the Israelites being disobedient and all of a sudden it just gets up and says, I'm reporting this to the Lord. <laughs> Bros, you are in trouble. And then he you know, goes on a staircase all the way up to heaven, and he reports it physically to the Lord. Is that what we're talking about? No, that's ludicrous. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That's, you know, but what Joshua is saying is like, I am putting this stone here. This stone will mark in your minds a memory. And I also think that if the Lord wanted the stones to speak, he could make them speak. Do you understand? Now, where do I get that from, right? I get it from Jesus himself, right? When he says, hey, listen, if you don't let them praise me, the stones will cry out and praise me. Why can I say that? Because God is the God of creation. I didn't make it. Have any of you ever seen a stone cry out before? No, that sounds, that sounds nuts, right? But I believe that the creator could make anything cry out. 
So we're not talking about what I can do uh, when, we, when we look at Scripture. We're talking about what God can do. But also, we're talking about something that Joshua would commonly do throughout his life. He would set up a monument so that he would remember, God would remember, and the children of Israel would remember. And it made me think. I was actually thinking about it last night. What things do I have that help me to remember what the Lord has done in my life? So I started to think, what do I do? What, what are the things that I do that help me remember? Well, one of them, um, we'll start with like the less important things. One of them is I just keep little keepsakes, right, of that time. Or, you know, um, I was talking to somebody this morning. It was, uh, it was Angela. And Angela is wearing a T-shirt that reminds her of her time in San Francisco, right? We do those things, right? Everybody's looking for Angela now. I told her to hide. I said, go hide. I'm going to use you as a sermon illustration. No, um, but we, we do that, right? We have keepsakes. Or we own a piece of something, whether it's a piece of clothing or something like that. I have this T-shirt. I have loads of T-shirts. I mean, so many that my wife once in a while will ask me, do you want to get rid of any? And I'm like, the answer is still no. <laughs> you know, right? And she's like, you have no room. And I'm like, don't worry, I'll find some room. Right? I have this T-shirt that I take out. I rarely wear it. The reason I rarely wear it is because I know when I put on that T-shirt, I'm going to get a stain on it. <laughs> right? But when I put it on, I have this memory of this time I was working with, you know, for the Lord, working with my brothers, and we lifted something up, and I'm wearing this T-shirt. I still have the mark of this thing that I lifted up on the T-shirt. It's a memory, right? It bears witness to my past. I, I have a journal, right? I was telling my daughters this morning that um, I used to write, I, I was, I still am a, an MC, right? I'm a rapper, right? And some of you guys may look at me and think, really? A pastor that raps? Well, I've been a rapper a lot longer than I was a pastor. I'll tell you that much, okay? I told my daughters, I started actually writing, penning my first rhymes at 11 years old, right? 11 years old. And now I'm 18, so it's been like seven good years. <laughs> so, you know, it's been a long time, right? No, but I started at 11 years old. And I still have some of those pieces of paper. And I look at them. And I chuckle. <laughs> I laugh to myself. Man, you were horrible. <laughs> right? But I kept some of those rhymes. And I told them, if you looked on some of my books on my bookshelf, they will be like just ratty old books. But if you open them up, they're full of rhymes. They're just full of my poetry. Right? And those are keepsakes. But another thing that I have is you open up some other books, and they are notes taken from sermons, so every once in a while I go back there and it bears witness to what I learned and where I was at that time. So there are things that we do, but bigger than that, like bigger than anything we could keep, we have God's word right here that bears witness to what God has done and what he is speaking to us, and we have Jesus Christ the rock of ages, right? 
He is that huge stone that reminds us of what God has done for us. So I don't need to actually roll a huge stone into my garden. And then like my neighbors are like, where did you get that boulder? You know, and I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. You know, I just rolled it down the street, you know, or whatever. I don't need to do that. I mean, if you found a huge stone and you wanted it in the back of your garden, by all means, be my guest. But stones weigh a lot. <laughs> and it may cause you trouble. But we do have God's word and God's word that became flesh, which is Jesus Christ. Now, I'll take you to a quick story, and I, I've referenced this story often. Uh, it's where we get the word Ebenezer, right? The Ebenezer stone or the Ebenezer memorial. And it's found in 1 Samuel 7, verses 3 through 12. And it says, Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth, Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. Guys, this is, this is years and years and years, hundreds of years, or yeah, probably like 100 years later or something like that. I don't have the exact timeline. But this is after Joshua spoke to Israel. And again, Samuel has to come and tell him, clean your houses. You are dirty before the Lord. Not because the Lord's sitting there and saying like, oh, they, you know, like, I, listen, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not what the Lord is saying. He's saying you are worshiping other things instead of me. You know what that reminds me of? Every once in a while, I have to look around and see if by default I started worshiping something else. I've put my trust in something else. I've, I've placed something in my, maybe physically in my home that shouldn't be there or something in my heart that shouldn't be there. Guys, I have to do this work. So do you. Every once in a while, we have to go before the Lord and say like the psalmist said, Lord, search my heart, find any offensive way in me. Do you know why? Because I don't even have to think to put offensive ways in me. I don't have to think about it. I am offensive. I am fallen. Jeremiah told us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Jesus answers that question and he says, I know the hearts of men. And then he gives us the solution because it says in the Old Testament that the Lord can give us new hearts, right? But there's something that I walk around knowing is this, I can lie to me, right? A lot of times we sit there thinking, hey man, I'm right, I'm always right. I know some, some of you guys may have that outlook in life. There are very seldom times that I'm wrong. And even when I'm wrong, I'm 100% right. Guys, I, I've, I've had conversations with some of you. Some of you guys are like, you know, in your world, you are, you are kings or queens in your world. And we find out in scripture that there can only be one king in our lives and his name is Jesus Christ. Because he knows who we are. He can explain to me, Dave, you're lying to yourself again. I was talking to um, a lady the other day and I said, you know what I caught myself doing? I caught myself talking negatively to myself and the Lord pointed it out to me, right? You know, like when you mess up, 
and you say to yourself things that you would never say to anybody else when they mess up, right? I thought to myself, would I ever, you know, I, like, I am my own worst critic, right? I mess up. So the other day I come home, I'm saying hello to Claire, to the girls, you know, and I open up the refrigerator, and when I open up the refrigerator, I, I try to remove something from the fridge, and I knock out some double cream. Thing broke all over my boots, underneath the fridge and everything. Right away, my wife knows I'm angry at me, right? I'm not angry at anybody else. I'm angry at me. And she says, Dave, no need to cry over double cream milk. <laughs> I'm still angry. <laughs> I heard your joke. <laughs> you know, I'm still angry. And the dialogue or the, the monologue that happens in my mind is like, you stupid idiot. What is wrong with you? Would I ever turn to anybody and say, you messed up, you're a stupid idiot. You know, like, imagine that. I wouldn't be friends with that person much longer. So why do I speak to me like that? I'm not saying go the, op the total opposite way on the spectrum and sit there and be like, you are the prince of the earth. No, that's also stupidity, okay? But be even keeled, right? The Lord's telling me, Dave, just speak to yourself and have grace. Ah, oh, that wasn't good, right? You guys may look at me and I have a, a mark on my cheek, right? It's because I was joking and I told people that I tried to kiss Claire and she punched me. <laughs> but she knows I'm quicker than that. I dodge things, right? <laughs> no, she didn't punch me. I was actually working on Wednesday, and I was using this diamond core bit going through a wall, and it started to get loose. I took my tool out. I, I lent it. I, I, you know, leaned it on the item I was working on, and then I bent down to go get something, and it leaned on my face, and the diamond core was very, very hot. So uh, it burned me. And I didn't think anything of it until a little while later, I see my brother Juan, I come out of the room I'm working in, and he goes, what happened to you? <laughs> I was in that room alone. He's like, who beat you up? <laughs> I'm like, man, I beat myself up, <laughs> you know? But it's, it's learning in the light of the Lord how I speak to myself, right? Because the Lord tells me things that are noble, things that are true, trustworthy, those, think of those things. Right? I have to fill my mind with God's word. And if God doesn't speak to me like that, like the Lord does not turn to me, and when I mess up and say, I knew you were a loser, <laughs> God, no, the Lord doesn't speak like that in his word. You know what he says to us when we mess up? He says, it's okay. Get up. Let's try again. Clean yourself. Come to me. I will forgive you of all of your wrongs. Repent. Ask me to help you, and I will walk with you. For you are loved, he says in Scripture, and that he made you individually. He saw you before you were formed, and he knit you together in your mother's womb. I mean, I understand, and, and you know, uh, my wife is a doctor, and we have lots of doctors throughout here, and they could explain to you th the things that happen during 
child's birth and, and those types of things or when like the, the baby is being formed in the womb, but they can't tell you why in fact it happens or, or, or the miracles that are happening. Like what, why does that cause a chain reaction and things begin to happen in uh, the woman's body or, or things like that? You know what I mean? It, it is a miracle happening. And the Lord is knitting you together in the womb and a human being comes out, you know, like, like a Lego doesn't come out or like a pie doesn't come out. Um, you know, I've been there for all of my children and each one of them was different. It isn't even like a manufacturing thing where it's going to come out the same every single time. I don't have three Emily's running around. I have an Emily, a Grace, and a Josephine. They are all different. And that is amazing to me. It's amazing. Like, you, when you put them next to each other, you could kind of make out that they're sisters, right? And then everybody looks at my middle one and said, where'd the blonde hair and blue eyes come from? And I'm like, you haven't heard? I'm a thief. You know, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Genetics, I don't know. The Lord did it. You know, but like it actually is like, yes, it, the hair came from her grandmother. I stole it from her. You know, like it's genetics. And, and it actually has to be found in my body and in her body for that to be formed. Right? Weird. Strange. Who would ever think that blonde hair and blue eyes would come out of my body? Right? Because, I mean, funny stories, but... Sometimes when I'd be holding her, Claire was at work, and I took care of her, and I'd be walking around, and everybody's like, who's this Asian guy that just kidnapped this baby? <laughs> and I'm like, run! <laughs> so, you know? It'd be funny. It was funny. You know? They, first of all, they think it's really funny that there's this dad standing there, and he's got like three girls climbing on him, and they still look at me like, where did you get that middle one? Where'd you steal her from? And I'm like, I didn't steal her. I bought her on Etsy. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? But um, yeah, crazy stuff. Witnesses. So then Samuel tells them, put down your idols. So the, Israel, the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Ashtaroth and worshiped only the Lord, which they should have been doing anyway. Then Samuel told them, gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, and in a great ceremony, drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord, which is also called fasting. And we're not talking about intermittent fasting or, you know, like I asked a guy one time, and he, he told me, I fast. And I was like, oh, really? Like, are you praying? And he goes, no, I fast for my physique. Okay, I don't think you and I are talking the same fasting, bro. I understand what you're saying, but you, your fasting and my fasting are not the same. I fast to humble myself before the Lord and to say, you are God, you are king over all. I'm here to seek your face. Um, you're fasting for your pecs. <laughs> like, there's a bit, a bit of a difference there. It's the heart behind it, okay? So, but um, they're fasting before the Lord. It was at Mizpah, so it says uh, they went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. It was at Mizpah that Samuel became Israel's judge. 
When the Philistine rulers heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army and advanced. The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Don't stop pleading with the Lord our God. Save us from the Philistines. To save us from the Philistines, they begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel, and the Lord answered them. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to the place below Bethkar, slaughtering them all along the way. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Je uh, Jeshnah. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Who was their stone of help? Was it that rock that he placed there? No, he was talking about the stone that is never moved. The same stone that comes down and crushes. If you guys want to look it up in the book of Daniel, there is this dream that the king of Babylon has, and the Lord is portrayed as a stone crushing all of the nations of the earth. All the great kings that ran everything, he's saying he is more powerful than anything on this political map, more powerful than anything or any moves that anyone is trying to do. The Lord is greater. That was the great stone that came to help them. That is the great stone that we have for our help. Like I was saying, who is Jesus to us? He is the stone, the cornerstone that the builders rejected. They said, we don't want that Messiah. We don't want that God King. And he said, it doesn't matter if you don't want me. I'm still the main building stone. I am the one that it will all be built on. Your forgiveness will be built on Jesus Christ. Like when we get to heaven, the only thing that's going to matter is what decision I made when it came to Jesus or not. That is the only thing that's going to matter. It is not going to matter whether you sat in church here or not. That is not going to get you in. Okay, you get to heaven, and if you give my name, and you give the address of the church, the Lord is still going to ask you, and what did you do with my son? Okay, if you try to get in and be like, no, no, I, I've been to Pastor Dave's house. The Lord's like, I know Pastor Dave. My man is in here. But the only one that could let you in is Jesus. And what I mean by that is by placing your trust on the work that he did on the cross, the work that he did on the cross, not the work that we did. We did no work. Listen, guys, I have not worked for my salvation. I work hard for the Lord because I love him, but not because it gave me salvation. I can never purchase salvation. There are people in scripture that thought they could purchase salvation, and they were severely wrong. They were wrong about it. And they realized that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. The work that he did on the cross, he shed his blood once and for all. 
and then we just have to place our trust in that. It says in Romans 10 verse 9 that if I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I will be saved. Now live in it. Live in it like you believe it. Just really quick, what do I mean by that? Listen, if all of a sudden somebody put like five billion pounds in your bank account and then they told you it's yours, it's yours, you have two choices. You could either live in the light that now you are a billionaire or you can continue living the way that you were living, you know, living paycheck by paycheck and not even touching that bank account. Not because you, you're a saver, like you need to save, but you're not touching it because you don't actually live in light of what you have. You, you actually reject it, and you live like a pauper. Now, if any of us did that, and somebody else found out, guess what they would say to you? I mean, they might say all types of things. I'd be like, yo, can I borrow five pounds? <laughs> you got five billion, let me borrow five pounds. I'll get you back next week. <laughs> I'm only kidding, I wouldn't do that. But I probably would tell you, and then like I come to your house and you're like, I got nothing to eat. Really? Okay, why don't you go to the cash point and withdraw some of that free money? <laughs> right? It's the same way when we're with Jesus and we don't act like Jesus is our savior or we don't act like he bought everything for us. He gave us our salvation. He is the reason that God looks on us and loves us and sees us as clean because he cleaned us. Then Joshua sent all the people away. So Joshua said to all the people, this stone has heard everything the Lord said to us. It will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. Then Joshua sent all the people away to their homelands. Go live your life for him, in, in essence. He says, listen, you've made that choice. You've made the choice. You need to remember you need to remember we have God's word that reminds us of what he's done for us. We have Jesus Christ who is a witness to us being his. I mean, it says he puts his Holy Spirit in us as a sign that we belong to him. So when the Lord looks, looks at us, he sees the Holy Spirit in us as his children. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like, so then, in essence, it says, then Joshua sent all the people away to their own homeland. Go live your life for him and in light of what he has done for you. So after this, Joshua, son of Nun, verse 29, the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had been allocated in Tibna Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. Those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. The bones of Joseph, which the Israelites had brought along with them when they left Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the plot of land Jacob had bought for the sons of Hamor 
for 100 pieces of silver. This land was allocated in the territory allotted to the descendants of Joseph. Eleazar, son of Aaron, also died. He was buried in the hill country of Ephraim in the town of Gibeah, which had been given to the sons of Phinehas. So that's a chapter done. Like, not, not a literal chapter, but I mean a chapter of life done. Their leader died, right? And there's a couple of sentences in there that give us warnings, like warning signs, because we see, hey, they were faithful, right? And we're about to enter a book where they started faithful, and then you see it just goes into chaos. And the Lord has to bail them out over and over again because they enjoy their chaos, they do not look at what God has given them. They don't remember the stone that is a witness. That's why I say to you guys, hey, listen, if you have a Bible, try to read it every day. Why do I say that? Because, because I'm like self-righteous, right? I'm like, yo, if you don't read your Bible, you ain't a Christian, you know, right? No, no, that's not why. It's because I live this life too. And I realize that I quickly forget God's word. So I have to fill my heart up with it so that it is what is overflowing from my mouth because otherwise it will be my flesh overflowing from my mouth. It will be this world constantly beating on me. There was something that the uh, priests inside the tabernacle did, okay? That when they first started their ministry, they were wholly consecrated to the Lord. I mean, there was blood put on them through hyssop. They were washed and cleaned, and then that they entered their service. That was it. They didn't have to continually be consecrated like that in that ceremony. But what there was was this wash basin in the courtyard, huge wash basin. And what the Lord required of them over and over again was that as you are going through your duties, come wash your hands and wash your feet because in performing the duties, you will get dirty. Okay? So why am I telling you about this? Because I see a beautiful picture of the way we need to be as we live this life for the Lord. I am serving. You are serving. We are called in the New Testament a holy priesthood. So as I walk around and I'm doing the Lord's work because I'm trying to live my whole life as worship, which is what I try to explain to you guys and what some of you guys do very well and some of you guys are beginning to learn, my whole life is worship unto the Lord. That doesn't mean that like when I'm you know, at Travis Perkins, picking up uh, equipment or something like that. I'm not like, hello, brother, we are holy unto God. Please give me the digger. Let me sanctify it. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. That's stupidity. Like, but what I am is every time I go out, I'm living my whole life for the Lord, right? And I'm trying to watch the way that I treat people. Like if some of them, you know, like sometimes people are down. So like, hey, I try to encourage them. And if they know the Lord, I'll encourage them with scripture. And if they don't know the Lord, I look to see if there's an opportunity for me to share the Lord with them. Because I'm on the job all the time. 
I even have to minister to me and remind myself of God's word because sometimes I get down and out. And then I have to remind myself of what God says. And it's a lot easier when I'm dipping in it every day, when I'm coming to the wash basin. This is my wash basin. Not this literal one. I can buy another one on Amazon, and it will also be my wash basin. I got lots of these, right? But God's living and active word is my wash basin. I go up. I wash myself in it. I don't have to become a Christian again. I'm already new. But I have to come back and wash myself because after a while, if I don't do this, I'm going to see that my hands are all crusty with this world's junk and that my feet are heavy and I'm finding it hard to walk. And when I, I, I encourage you to wash daily if you can. Wash daily if you can. I was once asked by a man, and he said to me, okay, let me give you a hypothetical situation, he told me. And he said, you know, what if you're so busy you can't read God's word? And I said, I don't believe that to be true. And he said, no, no, but what if you were? Take, take a woman that is an only mother, and she has five children, and she has no time. I said, you better talk to my mama. She had seven children, and she was an only mother. And I'll tell you what she found every day she was able to read God's word. Every day. And when I saw her reading that word, I knew, don't bother her right now. She's talking to her king. And I've told people that I said to the guys yesterday at the men's meeting, I do not believe that my mother is a perfect person. I have watched her fail. But what I've seen her do is she runs back to Jesus. She runs right back to him. And she corrects the wrongs that she has done. And she stays in God's word. And she is faithful to speak God's word to all of her children. Even if people were like, Hey, your sons are grown. You shouldn't be in their business. If there's anybody that I want in my business is my mother, right? Because she will always tell me the truth according to God's word. Always, right? This is our wash basin. We get dirty, we get heavy. Come and wash in God's word. The living word of God the living water. That is what Jesus Christ is in us, right? So they die. And it says to us, this, this is the, the main piece that I'm looking at. So the people after this had no personal experience with the Lord, right? Verse 31, it says, those, so the people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived them. Those who had personal personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. So the people after this had no personal experience with the Lord, right? That's God's fault. No, that's their own fault. That's their own fault. Guys, I remember telling somebody probably 10 years ago, a young man that I knew that was struggling and I said, listen, bro, if you read God's word, it will strengthen you. And he said, and he came back to me a week later. He says, I have read God's word every single day. I feel no different. 
almost like this, aha, I caught you. And I said, can I ask you a question? When you eat breakfast in the morning, do you immediately fly out of your window like Superman? And he's like, no, that's stupid. And I was like, then why do you think that spiritual food would be any different? You need a healthy diet. You need a healthy, consistent diet for you to feel different years later, right? Now imagine if you all of a sudden say, you know what, I'm not going to eat a healthy diet. I'm going to drink 500 beers a day, and that's going to be my meals. Guess what? You probably won't make it very far. We have to have a healthy diet. You have to have a healthy diet. So I told him that, and, and he said, yeah, but, you know, I need something to change me now. And I'm like, bro, this is hard work. Eat your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner. And I'll see you in a couple of years, and you should be healthy if you continue. As far as I know, he didn't continue. But why would I tell him that? It's because it's the medicine that I tried, and it worked. It worked. But it takes for me to remember that I have to do this every day. And it doesn't become, I can't make it into this job. It's like, it's like when I come to talk to Claire, it's not a job. I am talking to the love of my life. That's who I'm speaking to. So when I come to Jesus, I can't be like, oh, what work, man. No, I'm coming to talk to the one that loves me. The one who's going to speak truth to me. The one who's going to give me strength to carry on. The one who fills me. The one who heals me. I need to understand that it's a joy to do, not a job. How many of you guys get into the shower and you think, man, I hate showers? Not me, man. I love showers. You can ask my wife. I love showers. Man, I love being clean. I love the warm water, right? I love the smelly soaps. I, I love the scrubbers. I love everything about the shower, man. I love the shampoo. Makes my hair shine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't wear. I don't use shampoo. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> so why is why is talking to the Lord work? Maybe it's because you're not living right. Maybe it's because there's things in your life that you think you're hiding from the Lord. But guess what? He's just like Superman. He got X-ray vision. He can see right through it. I mean, he's better than Superman. If we think we're fooling God, the only ones we're fooling are, are ourselves. We're just fooling ourselves. If we think we have hidden things, oh, I can't talk to God right now, you know. Sleeping with so-and-so and I ain't married, you know, and I can't let God find out. God already knows. <laughs> and he still loves you and he's not okay with it, but he's waiting for you to repent and turn away and follow him. So the people after this had no personal experience with the Lord. That was their own fault. You can't live a Christian life on the experience of somebody else. You need to live your Christian life. Listen, one day my mother will pass away. Do you know why I know that? It's because of the statistics out there. 10 out of 10 people die. All right? One day it will be a sad day for me. Does that mean I stop following Jesus? No, because I don't live my Christian life on her experience. 
I used to when I was a little one. And then I needed to taste and see that the Lord was good from myself. Let me put it to you this way. If you want to find out if a certain food tastes good or not, will you A, read reviews about it and then be satisfied? Or will you B, maybe read some reviews and then go try it? How do you know if something actually tastes good for yourself? You taste it, right? How do you know if God will take care of you or not? You taste and see that the Lord is good. We find that in Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10. Psalm 34. So we could flip there really quick. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. But I have to go to him and, and not give him a try, but give him everything. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just read a review about it and then be off on your way. You have to try it for yourself. You have to go in for yourself. I actually have a rule about that. I'll finish up with this. I have a rule about that at home, right? I have one child. It's my middle child. And she usually, if it's something new, she goes, oh, I don't want to try it. I don't, Daddy, I don't want to try it. So I always look at her and I say, you need to at least try it. You need to at least try it, right? Because I have a rule for myself. I cannot speak badly of any type of food until I tried it one time. And guys, I have tried some crazy stuff, all right? Like one time, I was in, um, in a place that used to be called Swaziland. Um, it's like a nation within South Africa. Uh, I think it's called like Saswati now or whatever or something like that. And, and I was there and they said, you got to try the walkie-talkie soup. Walkie-talkie soup? What's this? Right? And my brothers knew if anybody's going to try it, Dave's going to try it. Right? It was like chicken soup, but no chicken body in there. It was only chicken feet and chicken heads floating in the soup, looking at me. And I said, you know what? I got one rule when it comes to food. I got to try it one more time, right? I ate that whole bowl of soup. And they said, what was it? What was it like? I said, it tastes like chicken soup. Those chicken heads are kind of crunchy. And they're like, you ate it all? Yeah, I ate it all. Do you want another? I said, no, thank you. <laughs> I've tried it. I'm good, right? You know, when I was in France, I had escargot, right? And people are like, oh, do you like it? I'm like, it tasted fine. Do you want it again? No. <laughs> but I tried it. I tasted and saw that it was kind of good. <laughs> Not good enough for me to get over the snails again, right? Or like frog legs. I tried frog, frog legs, right? I like chicken wings better. <laughs> They're bigger. Frog legs are skinny, man. <laughs> Ain't getting no meat off that. <laughs> A lot of work for nothing. <laughs> so... We need to taste and see if something tastes good. We need to try it. And we need to see in the Lord if it's, you know, if the Lord says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It takes for me to come to him. 
He doesn't bring it to you. It takes for me to come to him. So remember to choose to follow Jesus even when your leaders and mentors are dead and gone or the Lord has taken them away. You choose and the Lord will be there to fight for you and strengthen you, filling you with his wisdom, his love, his self-discipline, his joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, discernment, rest, the ability to speak to him. He will move mountains for you. But you have to come to him. Let's pray. Lord, I just praise you and I thank you, Lord, that you are good to us. Lord, that we can set up stones of memories, Lord. Stones that are witnesses in our own lives, Lord. And Lord, we have your word to remind us and we have you, Jesus, to remind us of the work that you've done for us. Lord, help us to remember and to live life in light of all that you've done for us. Lord, help us to experience you ourselves as we read your word and we trust what you say and then set out to live a life of faith and trust in you. Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.